everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. And Joe, we have a, a big football matchup between two really great teams. Well, not really. It's just it's a local matchup that's of importance to us because it involves the cities where Joe and I live in. We got Golden Eagles of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Southern Miss taking on the South Alabama Fighting Jaguars in Mobile, Alabama. And so a good regional matchup, which uh, under normal circumstances, I feel like probably would have had a pretty good turnout at it. Of course, now that we're in uh, COVID times, it's going to be a limited seating. But we're joined by our friends of the show, Spencer, who's a South Alabama graduate, who's going to tell us a little bit about South football. And then Carrie, who's a Southern Miss uh, graduate and works there currently to talk a little bit about Golden Eagle football. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. I'm glad to have you all on. Alright, before we get into previewing the South Alabama Southern Miss game, I wanted to hit on what I think was a big story, and it's the continued attrition that you see from last year's national championship team at LSU. Uh, you know, of course, it started in the offseason with them losing so many people to the NFL, Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, the list goes on and on, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and then losing Dave Aranda, their great defensive coordinator, to be head coach at Baylor. And, of course, uh, Joe Brady to be the new OC of the Panthers. And then now they've got everybody opted out, even the guys they had left. And it hit at Zenith the other night, Joe, when, uh, of course, Jamar Chase opted out, who was the Blitnikoff winner last year, almost 1,800 yards receiving, most TDs in the nation, too. And, Joe, what are your thoughts on Jamar Chase not playing football and what it means for LSU this season? Well, I remember um, maybe like a month ago, we had a conversation about the likelihood of Jamar Chase playing the entirety of the 2020 season. And we both had kind of predicted that he might, if LSU had a tough season, leave the team or step away in October, early November. But I never considered the possibility that he might opt out of the entire season. So I think it's a fascinating story. Um, I know that you had some theories about whether it had something to do with Miles Brennan being the quarterback instead of Joe Burrow. I'm also, though, interested to see what, if any, domino effect will this have on other prominent SEC players as far as opting out of the season either within the next week or two or um, early in October. Yeah, Joe, I mean, I look at it as uh, Jamar Chase – got into camp, and he started getting passes from uh, Miles Brennan and was like, wait a minute, you're not Joe Burrow. And then he looked to his left and his right, and he's like, I don't, I don't see Justin Jefferson. Wait a minute, I don't have the best wide receiving unit in the nation right now. And he's like, uh, I'm not getting 1,800 yards again. I'm not getting whatever it was, 30 touchdowns. He's like, all I can do is destroy my stock in the NFL this year. And right now I'm probably a top five guy. If I go out and I get like 800 yards this year, I might not even get drafted in the first round. So I think he made a business decision right there, and I can't exactly blame him. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, on the same uh, same thing, we were talking about it earlier, Joe. Uh, story came out that everyone was aware of with Leonard Fournette getting dropped by the Jags. Uh, and Spence, I want to start off with you on this one. Uh, with you being an Alabama fan and seeing those pathetic efforts that Leonard Fournette put up every time he played Alabama, 
Did you see this coming for him as an NFL player? 50-50, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Leonard Fournette, whenever he played Alabama, it was very unfortunate for him because each time he played Alabama, Alabama had arguably the best defensive line in the SEC, maybe the country, and they usually had the best running defense in the SEC, among the best in the country also. But if you look at his college career, he was actually tearing it up. He actually really was. And I figured he probably would have been a good NFL prospect, but his knock was, even while he was playing with the Jags, he just didn't love football. And also injury concerns, it seemed like every other week, but also when he was at LSU, he was always getting hurt. But... I was just, I'm really, really 50 50 on the whole deal. It doesn't surprise me, though, that the Jaguars went ahead and dropped him. I mean, heck, Doug Brown came out and said that we couldn't even get the sixth or fourth or sixth pick for him, or fourth or sixth round pick for the guy. Couldn't even get a pack of gum, you know? But yeah, just didn't really surprise me. What about you, Kerry? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? I was going to say, it amazes me how this trend of guys that are running backs over the years picked in the top 10 that just don't work out. Like Derek Mac- Darren McFadden comes to mind. It just seems that these less heralded running backs, you know, like Alvin Kamara's been in the news this week, that are picked in later rounds tend to work out better than these guys that come in with bigger height. And even Derek Henry, as great as he was in college, wasn't even a first-round pick, I don't think. And so Leonard Fournette, his fall from grace, you know, when you look at his draft stock once upon a time, it's kind of surprising. But I'm very intrigued by the landing spot that we just found out within the last hour that he has reportedly signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I find that fascinating to see how that's going to work out. Another running back in Tampa Bay that already drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, a crowded backfield with Tom Brady, a chance for a fresh start. Yeah, I think that's going to be good, man. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, the way I feel about Fournette is he was bad against Alabama, but against the rest of the SEC, including against Auburn that one time he, he tore us off. And I think a lot of it, too, is if you got to think that if he had had an offense at LSU like what they had last year where they actually threw it, he probably would have had even better numbers because they would have been a little bit more disguised. You wouldn't know what they were doing on 90% of the plays like when Les Miles was the pseudo-offensive coordinator for them and they ran 1950s football plays. So I think that he probably could have had a better career. And I don't know. I haven't given up on him yet. I, I get what Spencer's saying about him not loving football because it did seem like he was a me-first kind of guy a lot of times and would sit out when he could have played. But maybe with him having a team around him that's actually good and one that can throw it, you'll see him have a, a better time with Tampa Bay. What do you think about that, Gary? Well, you know, I- I think that, in a way, it could have been like a business decision, like we were talking about earlier about Tamar uh, Chase. You know, Jacksonville could have made it into a business opportunity, you know, get rid of throw the season in a way so that they could get a number one draft pick and Trevor Lawrence or, you know, a big quarterback like that. Um, I'm kind of surprised that he ended up at Tampa Bay, but uh, 
to do something in the NFL. He hasn't really done much in my eyes. There was one intriguing rumor within the last couple of days when Alvin Kamara was holding out of Saints camp, and there was speculation that the Saints would consider trading him for a first-round pick. There was a couple of rumors that Leonard Fournette might be on the short list for a player that the Saints might sign. Obviously, that those rumors were dispelled almost immediately because Kamara showed up today at a back in camp. That would have been quite the off-season right there of players that are going to make people mad, picking up Jameis Winston and then going out to Leonard Fournette, too. Just be like, all right, Saints fans, we're really going to hate our front office now. All right, Spence, uh, you know, yeah. we were talking about earlier about how Leonard Fournette hasn't done much. Speaking of not doing much, what are your thoughts on the South Alabama football team this year? Uh there is actually a lot of optimism right now, only because of the new stadium that they just built on campus, the uh, Hancock-Wheaton Stadium. And as we were talking about earlier before we got on, it's such a mobile thing to have this large, grand stadium that's you know fantastic. And by the time they get to use it, we won't be able to really use it because of COVID-19. But... Um, that's about the extent of the optimism. I think there's a lot of pessimism, mainly because of how South Alabama played last year. They went two and nine, but most of it, most of the reason why is because they had little games they could have at least came out almost bowl eligible or close to it, even for a, a guy with his second year. Steve Campbell, head coach, Steve Campbell. Campbell with his second year yet last year. And, you know, he got the mulligan from the year before because it was his first year. And I thought they were going to improve. Obviously did not. <laughs> Two and nine. But uh, the only kind of optimism now besides the stadium is, you know, going down so far, there's no other way to go but up. Well, Spence, let me ask you this real quick. Do you think there's going to be maybe any kind of uh, holdover of uh, energy and, you know, I don't want to use the word optimism again, but maybe, like, the feel-goods for what they did last season to end with the upset of Arkansas State at the last game at Vlad? That was the only South game, to be honest, I've ever been to. And uh, they actually beat an Arkansas State team that made a bowl game and, Beat them uh, in the front of the home crowd. It was actually it was a really great effort. You think maybe that can roll over into the season and give them a little boost? It can. Uh, there were some folks that were excited about it, but also at the same time they're realistic. You know, where you had such an abysmal season, and you win the last game, you're just like, oh, okay. We finally won one. But I think that was some kind of success to build off of in the, in the offseason that possibly helped Steve Campbell. But the only time will tell, to be honest with you. Well, Spence, what do you, what do you think about Steve Campbell? I mean, he's, he's got a pretty decent uh, resume. I mean, he's won national championships at the JUCO and the D2 level. I mean, there's nothing in his past to say he can't succeed at South. 
or what are, what are your thoughts on between a hot to, to cold temperature on how you feel about him as a head coach? Uh, he went from being lukewarm with me to almost almost freezing with me, um, mainly because, like I said earlier, he had the mulligan in the first year, going three and nine, two and six in the conference, and it's kind of expected. Brand new head coach going with a relatively young football program after Joey Jones left and went to Mississippi State to be the uh, special teams coordinator up there, which is actually pretty funny considering Joey Jones, his squad would actually beat Mississippi State. Yeah, that was an embarrassing game. Yeah. You know, he coaches there. Went on a missed field goal, too, even more ironically. Yeah. I loved every single second of it because my wife went to Mississippi State, so I kind of kept my mouth shut for a little while, then talked smack later. But... It's going down to freezing because you know, the abysmal year last year, brand spanking new stadium, there's not much uh, feeling of success after the abysmal season, even with the new stadium being built. And the worry now is, you know, if they don't win, and that stadium's not going to be full, and not that many people are not. Not that many people are actually going to games. I think mean, that's a fair one, uh, fair point there, Spence, and it's gonna it's gonna be hard on that investment they put out to build that new stadium, which I I've, I've driven by. It's nice. Uh, of course, I was someone that didn't want them to build that stadium because selfishly I wanted them to keep playing in my backyard. But probably overall for the football product in South Alabama, it's a it's a better decision for them to have an on campus stadium versus the one that's a thousand feet behind my house. Um, Absolutely, and good. I mean, good. Good memories of me going to games there as, as a, you know, as you know, somebody that went to high school games there, playing my high school games there. It's just it was a it's just a rickety old stadium. Yeah. I'm glad stadium is, and just the most god awful locker rooms I've ever seen in my life. It, it made me feel embarrassed whenever South Alabama actually had Mississippi State an SEC team come in and play at that stadium to go to that god-awful stadium. That made me feel just absolutely embarrassed. Yeah, it was, uh, it's not been maintained very well. And like I said, I mean, I think the city of Mobile made their own uh, grave on this one by never doing any updates to it or taking care of it the way it should have. Kerry, didn't you, um, back in 2006, when you were at USN, uh, did you go to the GMAC Bowl in Mobile? I did, um, and everything that Spencer says, I agree with. It's uh, it's not a very good uh, locker room. Uh, from what I can remember, it was I I wasn't in that locker room for very long because it was it was that bad. Uh, but uh, yeah, everything that Spencer says, I agree with. That's that I, I'm glad they. Finally got out of that stadium because that stadium, I'm surprised it's still there. Well, Carrie, it might not be for much longer. Lap Peoples kind of reminds me of the Liberty Bowl just of the just because of the way 
you go into the stadium through a neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, and you wouldn't think that you know a stadium would be in the middle of a neighborhood like that, and you go in through the middle of the neighborhood, and just all of a sudden there's a stadium there. It just it, it feels weird, you know, having a sixty thousand feet stadium or a sixty thousand seat stadium there in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, it is somewhere. It's a Liberty Bowl, Legion Field. It's just in that mold of the old stadiums that are that are now derelict. That were they were built neighborhoods. I think all of them are right. basically getting retired at this point. Although I think Memphis is still holding on strong with Liberty Bowl. They haven't got a new stadium yet, even though they're arguably the the best out of all those teams. Well, not arguably, they are the best in the yeah. last few years. That is true. Well, you know, we've been so doom and gloom on South Alabama with Spencer's cheery outlook on the Jags. Let's try to be a little more uh, heavy on this show, south in your mouth, and go with uh, Southern Miss and uh, tell us a little bit about what you think of the Golden Eagles this year, Carrie. Well, I think uh, I think the Golden Eagles are going to do pretty good this year. Uh, you know, we, we had a couple of games that got dropped off the schedule. Uh of course, we have South Alabama, which I think is a good matchup to have. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a good game, a good regional matchup. I would hope that we could take this, that we could keep this, you know, matchup for a couple years going. Um, but uh, adding Tulane and North Alabama to the mix in our schedule, I think, is, is a solid uh, way of adding to our schedule. Um, you know, in my previous uh, – uh, visit here with y'all. I came with uh, my uh, 130 college football teams, and uh, I, uh, I I came out and said that uh, USF was going to go nine and three. Well, I've changed that to now to eleven and two because uh, I've recently added schedule. Um, so I. I think, uh, you know, Southern Miss is going to have a good year. Uh, we have a good quarterback coming back, good, uh, a good, uh, uh, it's a good offensive line, I think, is going to be better this year. And uh, defense is going to be, is going to be the best, I think, in the last couple of years that we've had. So uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good year. Let's well, go. really uh, interested in the Southern Miss offense this year um, with Jack Abraham back through his redshirt senior season. Um, I was talking with Dan yesterday about Abraham. He's a guy that, you know, I remember him at Oxford High School playing for the state championship game three years in a row. And DK Metcalf was a star wide receiver. But Abraham's so much more than just a guy that played for the future NFL first round talent. Um, he's a guy that, you know, put up huge numbers in high school and it's Southern Miss. I feel like he's been a very efficient passer, very accurate. Um, if I had to nitpick one thing this game, Terry, that I'd like to see improve this year is his touchdown interception ratio. He was around like 19 to 15 last year with 15 interceptions. I want to cut that number down a little bit and not have as many turnovers and more touchdown passes. I agree, and I think he's going to be more versatile. Uh, I think you'll see him running the ball a little bit more um, as well. Um, uh, he's going to be, you know, being a three-year starter now, 
Uh, he's going to come out and be, you know, a pretty good, uh, a pretty good quarterback for us, I think, and uh, maybe lead us to a place that we haven't been before. Uh, Kerry, I, I wanted to, to get your thoughts. With Jack Abraham, what's been his path to still be playing right now? Because if he was DK Metcalf's quarterback, he's got to be, what, a fifth or a sixth-year senior at this point. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he's a uh, – right now, he is a – let me get to the to – the, yes, he's a redshirt senior right now. So, uh, he came in, you know, when – uh, uh, Nick Mullins, his senior year, he came in. Um, they redshirted him. He started as a as a redshirt sophomore. The ne- uh, the next two years after uh, Mullins uh, graduated, and then from then on, he's just taken the reins and and uh, and gone with it. Uh, and he's been a pretty pretty good quarterback. Uh, there's been some times that you know he can. He can have some bad games, and then that's when you bring Tate Wally in. Um, I think Tate Wally is a good uh, is a good backup. Uh, he showed some promise uh, in the last couple of years, uh, but uh, I think you know I think Jack's going to have a good breakout year this year. He, he may surprise a lot of people. What do you think about um, the wide receiving core coming back? I know they've lost Quez Watkins, one of probably their best receiver. Tim Jones is back. He's a guy that flirted with 1,000 yards last season, needs maybe get some more touchdown receptions. What do you think about Tim Jones and the rest of the receivers? Yeah, so Tim Jones is, you know, probably the best one that we have right now. Um, I believe he came, uh, they came out as a first or second uh, all conference USA preseason. Um, so he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, potential behind him. Um, I think he's going to have a good year. And then right behind him, you have Jason Brownlee, a junior, uh, not much you've heard about him. Uh, but he being six, three, 192, I think he can make some noise. And then Marcus McCoy behind him and then Brandon Hayes, I think uh, we got a good little receiver core. Okay. Well, Kerry, let me ask you. You were saying earlier you're predicting them to have a really solid season at 11 and 2. What are the two games that you're worried about uh, Southern Miss dropping this year? Two games that I got worried that I'm most worried about is the FAU uh, game in week in week six at home. Uh, we've had some tough. Tough games against FAU, and then uh, our old nemesis that we've had issues with for the past couple of years, the good old Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, um, and we we get to go to Bowling Green this year, and that is a tough place to play. Um, I went in 2015 to the conference championship game. Uh, let me tell you, that is a tough place to play when when they have a when they have a good crowd going. This year, being with, you know, limited fans and whatnot, I don't know what they're doing at Western Kentucky, but uh, it, it's still a tough place to play up there at Bowling Green. Kerry, what, what are the guidelines tomorrow night as far as seating capacity in Hattiesburg? So from what I understand, it's going to be limited seating. Uh, I believe somewhere around 13,000 is going to be what the capacity will be. 
but it's all general admission tickets. Um, but to get a general admission ticket, you would have to uh, buy a season ticket. Um, and there are no single game tickets being offered. So if you buy a ticket, you're buying a season ticket for the whole year. Uh, they're allowing fans to sit in their own section, but they're going to be spread out. Um, if they're not part of your own, you know, part of a, of a household, you won't be able to sit together. You'll be uh, six, six feet apart. Um, they're asking everyone to spread out. Uh, they are allowing up to a thousand students into the game. Um, be 500 in the lower level and 500 in the upper level. Again, with you know physical distancing and uh, uh, masks, face face coverings are required while you're in transit. Um, but when you get to your seat, it's up to the to the personal fan to do what they want. If they want to keep that face covering on, they can. Uh, if they don't, they they're more than welcome to take it off. But that that, that is strictly up to them. Um, and a lot of things are limited. Uh, Limited at the concessions, um, of course, you know, physical distancing as you go into the stadium, around the concessions, around, you know, the, the restrooms. Um, it's, it's going to be a different atmosphere um, by, you know, by, by a lot of means. And it's also going to be a different way of coming in and, and leaving the game. Well, Kerry, where are you? You yep. know, with your role in the team as uh... – you know, looking at, at instant replays, where do you usually sit during the game? Is it going to be the same situation that you usually have? Uh, so, being in replay, uh, not much is going to change uh, because up in the press box, it's our we have a booth of our own, and uh, we uh, there's three of us in there. So, the only big thing that's going to change up there is you know face coverings and you know trying to physical distance in our in our booth it's a pretty good sized booth so we shouldn't have any problem with that but um as far as for me being in my booth it's 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 going to be different but uh but not much of a big change well, let me ask you this um with the new electric whistles do you think that's going to make it a little bit harder for the officials and for gameplay. I mean, I heard them talk about it a lot during that opening game. I, I didn't really notice it, but, I mean, I guess with what you're going to do, you're going to notice it a little bit more. Do you find it more difficult to hear? Uh, I haven't really experienced it yet. Um, it's going to be something to get used to, I guess. Uh, we're just going to have to see how that how that works out. Um if it works for the first game, then hey, let's do it. If it doesn't, then I'm sure they'll find some different ways of uh, of working the the details out and whatnot. All right, well, let's get into a look at the predictions for the game, uh, Spencer. Let's start with you. Um, how bad do you see South losing this game? Are we talking 24, 31, 50? Cody, I mean, Carrie, my apologies, Carrie. 
Yes, that's right. Uh, 13 is the uh, new line for the game. So uh, the uh, prognosticators out there think it's only going to be 13 points. Um, I highly disagree. It's going to be much, much more than that. Uh, I will say to be safe maybe by 20, 24. Uh, but I will say, um, just to get out of the doom and gloom, so I'm not painted as that guy during this show, uh, we are actually very much excited about our quarterback coming back, uh, Desmond Trotter, who actually played the last four games of the year last year and actually kind of gave a breath of life to the offense. Uh, he was a freshman, now he's a sophomore this year, and everybody's actually pretty excited about him, seeing what he can do this year. But to go back to the original question, uh, I would say about 20 or 24. All right. Um, before we get into Joe and I's look at this, we're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, and want to remind everyone to listen to our show on Spotify. We have all of the old episodes uploaded. In fact, I uploaded some of the ones from last week up there right now. We're on season two of the show. You can also like our fan page on Facebook. We upload those with uh, all of our videos. And uh, you can listen to us now on Spotify and Apple Podcast, as well as Google Podcast. So... Thank you for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll pick back up in, in just a few seconds and do part two of this show. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.